Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to episode seven of Unfiltered. Yep. Unfiltered podcast, unfiltered PDCST. At, on Instagram. <laughs> we are officially on Instagram, people. We are expanding rapidly, rapid fire right now. So we're we up got, to like, about 100,000 listeners. Oh, that's really awkward. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know what? It's good to like manifest that energy into the universe or whatever. I told you, we have all all fans everywhere. Actually, it is pretty cool because when I'm tracking our statistics of who's listening, we have listeners in Canada, the US, and the UK. So okay, people, we're global. We've gone global. There. Wait, you know what? I feel like who I know who could be listening in the UK. <laughs> who? My flatmate from Scotland, because you know everyone. I studied abroad. Um, oh, here we go again. Okay. About two years ago, mute? it was a mute? wonderful. <laughs> no, but seriously, I feel like she could have clicked on it because we yeah, posted she might it on have. Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, um, as per usual, like Michaela was saying last time, <laughs> we're going to go over the answer for last week's question for Queens, and we have a really excited episode planned for today. A really excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, the episode is. Both excited and exciting. It's like an electron. <laughs> okay, so last week we asked a very important question that I hope you all took time to try to solve. I will repeat it now. The question is, you have one four-minute hourglass and one seven-minute hourglass. How can you time nine minutes accurately? Exactly. Exact, exactly <laughs> and accurately. Okay, um, please bear with me. I'm still confused about the answer. (laughs) Okay, I want you all to hold your two hands out for me, okay? Pretend the left hand is the four-minute timer. The right hand is the seven-minute timer. The answer to the question is, you're going to start both timers at the same time, okay? And you haven't started timing the nine minutes yet, but you start both timers. When the four-minute timer is done, that means three minutes of sand will be left at the top of the seven-minute timer. So you're going to restart the four-minute timer right when it ends. And when you let that three minutes of sand drop to um, drop from the seven minute timer from the top to the bottom. That means that um, seven minutes has passed. No, 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 no. That that's your first three minutes that, that, that has passed. Oh, you, oh, okay. So now we started, we started timing right when we reflipped over the four minute timer. Okay. So that's your first three minutes. So then, um, (laughs) no, no, no. So when the seven minute timer is, uh, shoot, Michaela. You know what? I really, okay, we're not going to go over this. I'm just reading this answer because okay. I'm sure that that's true. Okay, but go for it. Okay. Start both timers. When the four minute timer is done, there will be three minutes of sand left in the top of the seven minute timer. Restart the four minute timer while letting the remaining three minutes of sand to drop from the seven minute timer. This is your first three minutes of your nine minute measurement. When the seven-minute timer is done, the four-minute timer will now have three minutes of sand in the bottom. Flip the four-minute timer. 
When this runs, runs, it will be your second three minutes of time. At the same time, flip the seven minute timer. When the three minutes of sand run on the four minute timer, restart the seven minute timer. By this time, three minutes worth of sand will have gone to the bottom of the timer. Resetting it will give you the last three minutes of, of sand for your last three minutes of time measuring the nine minutes. Okay, now pause and replay that and listen to it like a thousand more times so you yes. understand. But I will say there are multiple ways to do it because as you were explaining, that I did it differently and I got nine minutes okay so there are multiple ways so it's not like one way is necessarily right but it's the general idea that you can find nine minutes exactly and accurately with nothing but the two hourglasses yes okay anyways anywho remind us to never do one like that again (laughs) that was way too difficult but like I was saying besides the whole oh we have to ask you another question for next week yeah we have to ask the question for question for queens of next week huh yes If you have a random number generating function with outputs ranging from zero to one inclusive, how can you estimate pi? (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) I didn't even say anything. My face just went, huh? (laughs) Well, anyway, good luck, everyone. Um, Definitely don't know the answer to that one. So as I was saying, we have a very exciting episode planned today. We have a guest and he has supported our podcast since the beginning. And we're very, very, yes, we're very, very thankful for him. His name is Alex Cuevas and his background is he graduated from Cal Poly Pomona with a degree in chemical engineering in 2012. And since then, he's been working at Chevron Refinery as a engineer of some sort. Um, He can tell you more, but... Welcome. And welcome, yes. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Um, Alex, please tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got into engineering and why. And welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. Thank you. It's been a dream of mine to be on this podcast since the inception. And it's funny that I'm finally a part of it. So a little bit about myself. You know, I grew up in Southgate, California, uh, moved to Downey, California, where I finished high school. And then my dad at the time started his own business, so I, I became a truck driver for him and doing part-time community college. I always wanted to do engineering because I was inspired by my uh, chemistry teacher in high school, and I always thought I was mathematically inclined, so I wanted to pursue something with math and chemistry. I think that's how a lot of people end up in chemical engineering. They they have those two yeah. uh, likes in school, so then you just say, okay, I'm just going to do chemical engineering. Then you get to, you know, you start doing your coursework. And you find out that's like the toughest major, but the challenge <laughs> that it's the toughest major kind of motivates you. Oh, for sure. And so you just stick to it and it's the most rewarding, you know, <laughs> and I actually yeah. got into materials engineering, which is what I do at Chevron. By doing a lot of research in materials engineering when I was in college, uh, the plan for me was to always go to grad school. My my dream was to be a PhD and to be a professor of chemical engineering, but that wasn't in the plans for me. I, I ended up doing research in materials engineering and through that, was able to present at, you know, international conferences. And it was fun that, that, that um, the research track and presenting was always great for me. And one day I'm presenting at NACE in Salt Lake City and my future boss happened to be in attendance. So 
she gave me an opportunity to come intern for Floor, which is a EPC, which is an engineering procurement contracting company. They do a lot of design engineering. Mm-hmm. So I became a materials engineer because the research that I was doing was materials. And then ever since then, it's just been materials engineer, uh, industry track, no more academia. I still kind of have like a little plan to to do a master's, maybe one day when I'm old and gray-er, because I'm already gray, <laughs> pursue a PhD. <laughs> but that's, You know, yeah. it's never too late to go to grad school, so yeah, I definitely actually, support that dream. My parents are like in the next five, seven years are retiring, and my mom's been talking about going back to school, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if she'll actually do it, but that would be cool. Anyways, welcome. Thanks cool, for thank being you. here. Happy yeah, to be here. So Happy to be here. Number one fan from the beginning and executive producer. Yeah. I was the number one fan Love when that. you guys only had three fans. When yeah. we had five, actually, excuse me. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you guys are international now. Oh we, are, we have gone global. <laughs> we truly have. You could definitely say that about us. Um, cool. Yeah. So this is a really exciting episode for us because... I think it could be really interesting for our podcast to have a male perspective. And mm-hmm. like we, we plan to have more um, guys on the podcast talking about their perspective. And we have a lot of good questions lined up for you that I'm hoping will be interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. I, we were writing these questions and I was like, this is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say, Alex. But I guess with that, we'll jump right into the questions we have for you. Um, we got... A couple, a couple interesting ones that I'm excited for. So recently when we were talking um, outside of the podcast, you, mm-hmm. well, first of all, recently you had a daughter. So congratulations on that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's so exciting. I know you have a little boy too, mm-hmm. but well, how, how old is your daughter now? So my daughter just turned three months, three months. like oh, wow. two days ago. Oh my gosh. Oh, happy gosh. three months. Yeah, happy three months. <laughs> She's amazing. She's like such a good baby. Oh. Such a little angel baby. Cute. Like, what does that mean? She just doesn't cry a lot or? Well, yeah. So, you know, with our first son, with our firstborn, he's uh, two, he's almost going to be three. He's, he's a little over two and a half, but he was the fussiest. He wouldn't mm-hmm. eat well. He wouldn't sleep well. And his cry is like so loud. Oh, yikes. Like, it's just like piercing, super high pitched. He's going to be a great singer one day, but yeah, it's not, <laughs> not cool for when we're trying to sleep and. And so, yeah, so our daughter, she just sleeps through the night. She eats when it's feeding time and she's just great. She's so cute and love her. Hopefully that lasts past three months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is it like the terrible twos or something? Yeah, that's what my son's going through right now. Throwing tantrums all the time and he's jealous and he's clingy. Yeah, I look forward to that for for her too. Yeah. What's her name? Charlotte. That's right. Okay. Um. Okay, well, congratulations on that. That's so exciting. But um, my question for you right now is a couple of weeks ago, aside from the podcast, you brought up a concern to me um, about raising a daughter and obviously wanting to support her in whatever she does in the future. Yeah, she's only three months now, but um, it's never too early to start, you know, thinking about this for the future. But um, obviously wanting to support her in whatever she does, but also with your background in STEM and engineering having that impulse to kind of push her towards STEM. And I think that's a a very common concern of new parents, um, especially ones that come from an engineering or STEM background. Um, So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that in detail. I'm sure we'd all love to hear more about that and how you're like navigating these new waters, because I know that was a concern you brought up to me. Yes, absolutely. I'm curious what you thought about since we talked. Yeah, when I asked you, Michaela, it was because I knew you, you when we met, 
we met at, you know, at work, you were interning at the time. And I remember you introduced yourself saying, oh, yeah, you know, I have a, my parents are in computer science. And so mm-hmm. I'm just checking out oil, oil and gas just for, yeah. you know, giggles. And I just thought, oh, giggles. wow, like in my head, <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking like, whoa, her parents did computer science and computer science is so hot right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what made her go into chem- uh, to mechanical engineering. Right. I said, ooh, was it out of defiance? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, damn, is that what it is? Ooh, I don't want that for my kids. Right. So it started something like that, right? But it's mm-hmm. not. It's more so me having a bias towards STEM. Right. Um, you know, like I feel like the, techno- the technologically inclined citizen is empowered just by virtue of the reach, opportunity, access to resources and yeah. information. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I just feel that the thinking, the what you're taught in STEM education is so invaluable. Yeah. And I want that for my kids, right. especially for my daughter, because right. because I went through it. Right. I just want that for my kids. And I feel like you have a, a more enriching life if you did STEM. Like you think of things differently. You're data driven. Yeah. You can appreciate stuff like that more. But you at the end the of the day, I, I would. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I want that for her for my son as well, mm-hmm. but I don't want to push it so much to where it drives them away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that was where I was getting at. So I think my wife and I decided that we're not going to push anything. We're going to let yeah. them explore. We're going to let them uh, pursue every avenue that they want. You know, if right. they're interested in, in bugs, go ahead, check out bugs. If you're interested in drawing, okay, cool. Right. Explore that. And I want to cultivate that because, yeah. you know, if I force them to one thing and they hate it, that's not a life I want for anybody. Right. right. And so yeah. that's kind of how we're navigating these waters. And I mean, it's still too, it's still pretty early. But, you know, like I, I have other engineering friends who would like make their kids listen to Mozart because they <laughs> think it's going to increase their IQ. They're, yeah. they're going to give them little block puzzles to like yeah. stimulate that side <laughs> yeah. of the brain. Yeah. Right. But well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think I mean, I think that's an interesting point, too, because like. I told you this, Alex, and Kim knows this too, but like I was an arts kid growing up. I did musical mm-hmm. theater. I did all of that growing up. And I wanted to go into acting until about middle school, at the end of middle school and when mm-hmm. I started high school. And yeah. even though my parents, like they didn't push it in a way that was um, bad, I guess. Like, they didn't push me away, but they definitely encouraged them. And I did all the science camps and all that stuff, which I talked about in a previous episode. But it's interesting because they, they like exactly what you said. They supported that too. But I think it's interesting that like there, it's not a clear cut path, you know, from a young age, they might be interested in science, but they might take a different route later or it might right. be opposite. They might like science and then yeah. cut off in a different direction. So you never know. So you can only do so much as a parent, too, because each child is going to be different. And I think it's interesting to hear like a parent's perspective about that, because Kim and I are from the kids perspective of like yeah. last ep- episode talking <laughs> yeah. about like our upbringing. So. I think that's a good, that's a good way to, to, to view it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it'll evolve, you know, yeah. like once we, when we start seeing what interests them and right. hopefully, yeah, it'd be awesome if they're into stuff like, yeah. you know, I read about, you know, like Isaac Newton, how he was correcting his dad's ledgers at age two. Mm-hmm. And my son already missed that. <laughs> that milestone. <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> like doing, doing like problems in front of him. Like, what, what, did I make an error there? What, did you catch that? <laughs> But that's prodigy, right? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to so. say your son would be an absolute prodigy. Yeah, everyone's Isaac yeah. Newton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll call you up in, in 10 years and see where they're at. They'll be interning for you. <laughs> in 10 years. Queens will be ruling the world. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. Absolutely. So are there things that you're kind of doing now? I, I know you kind of talked about how you're just letting them explore, but like, are there certain, because I don't really have little siblings or little cousins, so I don't know what kids play with. Are there certain toys that you 
let them engage with that are like more STEM based or yeah, arts based? I don't really know. Yeah, there are like, you know, um, spatial thinking, kind of like blocks, Legos, but both of them are still a little too young for that. But there, there is like, you know, you've seen those at the, at the doctor's office where it's like a, like a, like a track, kind of like a wire. And then there's beads that they can move around. Right. So they have to kind of navigate through other crossing beads and that, that really helps. And I remember when I first bought one of those toys for my son, he was like, what the hell is this thing? You just smash it. (laughs) (laughs) But as his dexterity and so, you know, it's like you have to develop the like foundational skills before you can get to those higher like learning right. higher level requirements yeah so once For he mastered sure. his finger dexterity now he's like he's like <laughs> grabbing them all at the same time it's it's cool to see he's a but pro. those kind of toys help yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a pro <laughs> so um and then also now we're working with counting like for mm-hmm. me it's like so exciting to hear him count from one to ten and he gets so excited, he claps, okay. it's a game. That video you sent me, Alex sent me a video of his son counting it. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting that we're like fascinated by Children. the development of humans. Like it's such a simple thing to me. I can count to 10 so easily. <laughs> can't but oh, yeah. just the fact that like... <laughs> like what the hell, not special. <laughs> It's just so funny, just the upbringing of children. I don't know. I'm very fascinated by it because, like, I don't really want kids. So just like mm. how everyone is so amazed by that. You know, the decision to have kids or not, it's, it's you know, in this world that we're navigating. I know I, I don't think this is particularly your situation, but a lot of women have to decide between a family and a career. No, it's true. Right? Yeah. So I was I was yeah. wondering if that had anything to do with it. Yeah, um, I don't want to make this conversation about me, but that's like a really interesting question to ask. And I know I'm super young, so my answer may change in the future. But when I think about having children within the next 10 to 15 years, I'm terrified because <laughs> I have so many dreams. Not that kids ruin people's dreams, but for some reason I have this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Well, I have this fear that like, I have this fear that having a child will definitely ruin my dreams because I want to travel. I want to be a professor. I want to go into politics, all of these things. And I know that women have this amazing ability to have a career and have children, but I just feel like that that's something I can't do. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's great. But wait, I, I did have another question for Kim. Did you study abroad by any chance? I did. Okay, yeah. So I studied abroad. I'm sorry. How do I kick Alex and Kim off of this? I'll just be taking over from now on, ladies and gentlemen. No big deal. Okay. But anyway, since we're talking about women and engineering and their careers, um, I guess like, so something that we, Michaela and I are always interested in is the male perspective, as we were saying earlier. And throughout your career in engineering, we're just wondering, have you ever noticed yourself or caught yourself treating a woman differently in the field or even in school, either positively or negatively, meaning like you gave them special treatment because they're a girl or you were like, oh, she's a woman. Can she really do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> which yeah. which I know is like a, an intense question yeah. and it's hard to think of mm-hmm. exact scenarios and stuff. So we appreciate you answering that. Right. But and Michaela, last time I curious. checked, last time I checked, this was unfiltered. This is unfiltered. So this, last time I checked too. Here. No, you're the right. We asked, asked the check squash. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely <laughs> so, right. <laughs> to answer it though, um, not really. I mean, I think... I think we all come with um, our own biases, you know, when we when yeah. we go into a situation. So if I'm being completely honest in school is probably when I would have exhibited some sort of different treatment to mm-hmm. my my peers, but not so much that, you know, I'm better than or I deserve right. more. It was more so like I was a little bit intimidated 
And also, you know, it's mm. it's a very male dominated um, discipline. So when you have mm. a girl and let's say she's cute, uh oh, like, <laughs> of course, you're going to treat her differently. Right. You're right. Gonna be like, Oh, you want to impress her right. or you, you try to do it. So in that sense, yes. But then um, when we're let's say we're in teams and let's say they're assigned to be the lead. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever had any problem with that yeah. unless they were like slacking off. Right. But then it wouldn't be, oh, it's because she's a right. girl and she cares more about this. Right. It's, it would never be. It would be merit, merit-based um, biases that I would have. So because I think that stems from my upbringing. You know, I was practically raised by my mom. I, I have a dad mm-hmm. and, you know, they live, they're both, you know, I had both parents. <laughs> yeah. But my dad is very traditional Mexican. Okay. So Mexican families, the dad works, you know, mm-hmm. he's gone. Yeah. And the kids are raised by the mom. Right. Mm. So that's like, you know, she instilled in me respect for women mm. and and I have admiration for her, you know, like the sacrifice. And yeah. actually in, at work every. So my first boss was one of the most influential, most empowered women I've ever met. The one at floor. The one at floor. Yeah. Her name's Kathy Shargate. Okay. She is a world renowned expert in materials engineering oh. and people respect her. Mm. They put some respect in her name. Damn. You know, like they, they, she's a queen. <laughs> she's a queen, and and, and that was my boss, right? Unfiltered. That was my, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She would love it. She would love it. She has experience because you know, like what what I see is is you know, you guys have seen the the poster with the success, and it's like the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, yeah, yeah. but they don't yeah, see yeah. all the yeah. struggles, yeah. all the tears, all the yeah. So that that's her right there. You oh, know, like wow. what I saw was her refined, mm-hmm. like super expert and well respected in industry, but. I don't know the, the hardships she faced right. getting to where she is, right? right? But <clears throat> what I did have was a great mentor, the best boss I ever had. Wow. And uh, I mean, no offense to my boss now. I love you. <laughs> I was going to say, but, oh, is that a call out to Sherpa right there, Alex? <laughs> no, no, no. Hello, Sherpa, I love you. Thank you for paying for everything. <laughs> no, but, you know, like it, it was very influential coming in uh, as, you know, as a recent hire mm-hmm. and my boss being a woman yeah. and she's very respected. So it set the tone. Okay. And I expect that now. I expect excellence right. everywhere that I meet a woman in work. Yeah. And uh, my first boss at Chevron was also a woman. My second boss at Chevron was also a woman. Damn. So it's a trend, you know, and I, I, I respect it. It is a okay. trend. That's pretty unique, though. Yeah, there aren't absolutely. That, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, OK, follow up question, though. Have you ever been in a situation where it is you and a female and you have gotten special treatment from an upper individual, whether it's a boss or someone and say it, say it's you, you're on a team or something and you and uh, a female coworker and you've gotten assigned mm-hmm. the, the harder project or you've gotten this or whatever versus in comparison to her. Right. Yeah. I think, I think so. I think, uh, um, I think I see that in conferences, mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. like, um, we're both speaking opinions or ideas and for whatever reason, mine is like valued. I see. Right. Mm-hmm. And like a woman's isn't heard. Mm-hmm. To which I'll say, you know, I think men and women have a part in that. Like, I think women should not allow themselves to be spoken over. Right. I think uh, we, we've had don't meetings apologize. at Chevron where we're trying to, <laughs> right, don't apologize. Oh, I'm sorry for this. No, it's like, you know, speak your mind, yeah. stand your ground, but don't make it aggressive right. or confrontational. Right. Like, you know, this has to be a, a mutual respect thing. And I totally. think men have a hard time relinquishing power. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, oh, it's a pride thing or it's an ego thing. But if you're really trying to be a good team player, you would acknowledge good ideas wherever they come. Right. For sure. Right? So I think that's that's where I've seen like a preferential treatment. But I think for the most part, we um, I've, I've been blessed enough to work for pretty progressive companies where they respect good. and they yeah. they're trying to, you know, move the needle yeah. in the right direction. Well, that's great. That's what we want to hear. So yeah. 
I'm glad you could bring that perspective. That's that's what we mm-hmm. want to hear. But yeah, no, it's, it's actually really refreshing to hear all of this from you because yeah. I don't know. I've I've met some guys that definitely they don't want to say it straight up, but right. they for sure don't think that I'm that smart just right. because of the way I look yeah. or whatever. So yeah. it's really nice to hear that from you, Alex. Try being blonde. And it's unfortunate, really... right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... add add blonde to it. All right. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've gotten dumb blonde? <laughs> Do you know how oh, many times? Man. I've told and see, like now that I have a daughter, those are the things that I worry yeah. about. No, yeah, it's, it's a, like how are you not allowed to be a your own person? Like you're not allowed to have a personality. Yeah. You're supposed to fit into some sort of prescribed norm, right? And if you don't, you're classified. You know, oh yeah, not very bright, yeah, right. And, and it's funny. It's like I experienced a little bit of that when I started school. It's like okay, I grew up in in like you know pretty poor LA mm-hmm. area and where I grew up, like hip hop and that sort of urban lifestyle was like cool, mm-hmm. right? Like if I was a nerd, if I was like into studying, I was not cool. You were cool. the weird kid, yeah. Right. And I would not get girls. Right. I would not like, you know, they wouldn't pay me any attention because they were like with the gangbangers right. and they were like with those cool guys. <laughs> so I dressed a certain way when I started college. I was like my baggy jeans. I had like, believe it or not, I was bald. Yeah. I was like very I short haircut. I have Oh, I have a picture. <laughs> my wife does not believe it either. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, who is that? (laughs) But, you know, like, yes, that's that's a little extreme. But you're like I was, you know, just as good as anybody else. It's just that I looked a little different. It was like my upbringing was different. I was used to different style. Like everybody had long hair. I had short hair. I actually had earrings. I was crazy. I'm telling you, I was like I was a hip hop rapper. You know, what can I say? Oh, yeah. I I heard a song. I played Kim the song. Sorry. <laughs> you are very talented, might I say, and your you. voice is wonderful. Back in the day, I know. I, oh I led. I led up the me playing the song to her, saying, "This is our number one fan," and I literally listened to the song like a thousand <laughs> times because it's a bop, and I would awesome. dance to this in the club. So, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. It actually is a wonderful. And, I, and the only reason I sent that to you is to show that hey, I, I know how to edit sound. Okay, that's all that meant to. Hence, it was like, hey, check this out. This is like the coolest hence song Hence why you'll ever he's hear. the no. executive producer. <laughs> oh, of course. oh my god! Of course. Of course. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. We have a couple more questions if you have time here, but a important topic in terms of females and engineering, and it it is like Kim said, it is refreshing to hear your side, your perspective. And and I'm glad to hear that you haven't encountered a lot of discrimination or prejudice throughout your career and your time in, in STEM. But is there anything that you have, um, I don't know if you've even ever thought about this before, but anything that you think that needs to change within the field, STEM engineering, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to women empowerment. I mean, personally, Kim and I both know there's a lot of room for growth, but I'm curious yeah. from like a male perspective, if that's something you've ever thought about or noticed or have seen room for improvement, um, throughout mm-hmm. your career. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think there's still, I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that change is happening mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you can't, I mean, like any revolution takes, you know, for the revolution, <laughs> it takes a while, right? It takes time for people to, so you kind of have to, you know, phase out the old guard and then like transition the new, if it happens like right away, people revolt. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh no, it's, why are you pressing your views against mine? So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is that I acknowledge that there's a lot to be done, Mm -hmm. but also like I'm I'm seeing the change, even in in my eight years of of industry, there's a lot that's changed. Mm -hmm. But what I think specifically needs to be done is more, more men need to become allies and advocates for women equality and empowerment because all perspectives should be valued equally you you know just because you're a guy you have one way of thinking women just not just because you're women you have a different way of thinking it Mm -hmm. could be 
you know, a different angle that you wouldn't consider because right. you're kind of blinded to it. Right. So if you if you open up, that goes for every culture, every not just gender, right? Like every right. everybody. When when we're open to conversation and, and different perspectives, I think we're the teams are empowered and growth is capable. Mm-hmm. That's where growth happens. Yeah. So I think men need to allow women to lead and not take it as a attack against your manhood or leadership and let everyone contribute equally. Right. And going off of that, it just reminded me, I've actually talked to a lot of men who don't really believe that there's any inequality between men and women. Um, And they say like, it seems more that women are just trying to be anti-men. And I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on that? And do you really think or do you think that at all, that sometimes women are being too anti-men? And this doesn't necessarily have to be unique to engineering. I think just in general, mm-hmm. women are trying to reclaim their voices. And yeah. just like, what do you think about that? So so here's what I would say to that person is you probably get paid more than someone who does the same job that you do mm-hmm. and is a woman. Yeah. So um, ultimately, it's it's a question of if you're a guy, you could pretty much do whatever you can or whatever you want. And your perceptions at work will probably remain unfazed. Right. If you're a woman, as yeah. soon as you start having a family, as soon as you express concern or do anything that's, that's you know, out of the norm, you're isolated. Yep. Like you can't have an opinion. You can't dress a certain way. You have to behave a certain way. You have to speak a certain way. That differential treatment in itself implies inequality. For sure. Right. It's, it's, it's a... Uh, it's it's just difficult to see unless you're looking for it. But if you're you're comfortable, like you know, you have your blinders on, like, hey, I don't see, you know, if she's working next to me and we both make good money and we're both moving up, I don't see the inequality issues. Well, it's it's a little bit deeper than that because you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want. You can cuss at work. Some guys cuss at work, right? You know, it's 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 just like, oh, that's just guy talk. Yeah. But if a girl has guy talk, she's viewed differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's hard, you know, because because that's ingrained in the culture. Yeah. And it's, you know, you have managers that talk like that still. And if that's coming from the top down, you know, but again, there's change coming and people kind of limit that now. Like if if you speak that way, you probably won't be moving. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned something that's interesting about your answer is you said, like, if you're not really looking for those inequalities, you don't see them. And I just feel like Obviously, everybody goes through their struggles in life. That is 100% true. But I feel like people who haven't been discriminated against, those are the ones, right, that don't really notice Mm -hmm. what's going on. And so while this podcast is geared towards discussing the challenges women face in the field, many other minorities experience very similar difficulties. And so you mentioned that you grew up in a, a Mexican family. So as a Latino in STEM, have you ever experienced any challenges that are similar to what we've experienced or just your own? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a loaded question, right? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm so sorry like, about so that. Is, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's hard because as soon as you, you start talking about the, the inequalities and the difficulties, it sounds like complaining. Right. Right. Like yeah. when the, the end is like, okay, Hey, I graduated from college. I'm work, I have a great job. Mm-hmm. What was so bad? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's like the years that it took, the yeah. struggles that I right didn't necessarily need to go through. Um, so it starts off with uh, just like the sy- systemic stuff, yeah. like the school that I went to didn't have the greatest teachers, mm. didn't have the greatest resources. Um, I was treated differently. I, you know, I was in the son of an immigrant, so mm. I didn't formally learn English till I was like 11. 
or nine, I forget. I had to test out of Spanish. So all my formal education up to about second grade was in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I learned to speak English through like TV and radio. Right. <laughs> And, you know, talking with friends, but like formally I was separated from classes. I would go to the ESL classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that was a little tough. But then so that that's the first part, right? Like that's your upbringing. You you don't even know that you're up against the odds mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Then you have your societal responsibilities and expectations from your family that comes from your culture. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, my dad worked and that's the template that he set for me. Right. Like I had it in my mind that, oh, I'm just going to work. Yeah. My wife's going to stay at home, take care of kids. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have 50 kids. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have, <laughs> I'm gonna have kids and my wife's going to be, you know, at home cooking and cleaning and raising the kids. And I'm just going to work, 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 work and make as much money and mm-hmm. provide. Okay. And that's my life. Right? Like education isn't at the forefront for a Mexican family, at least not a traditional Mexican family. But I think that's changing, too. And so the access to education and those resources are, are limited for, for someone coming from a minority group or, or a poor neighborhood for that matter. You could even be, you know, a white kid in a poor neighborhood and you have some of these similar difficulties right. or, you know, yeah. shortcomings. And then uh, if that's not enough, once you, you, know, you, you make it through the adversity, you somehow manage to land in college against all odds, right? Mm-hmm. Then you feel inferior mm-hmm. once you're there yeah. because... Everybody else, it just came naturally to them. They already knew the progression that their life was going to go through. Right. They already knew what classes to take, where to go, what registrar means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And so you have this inferiority complex and you're just like, oh man, what if I'm not good enough? Right. And so you have to somehow compensate for that. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's tough, but a lot of people have it tougher. Mm. You know, just if you think you have it bad, there's somebody that has it tougher. So a lot of things need to change. And I think, you know, the recent... Um, situation globally, it, it's brought that to light. And I think, you know, we, we need change and it'll happen again slowly, but surely it's, it's happening. And I think it's up to, uh, it's up to the individual and, and having a good support system to get us through oh, that definitely. because it's, it's stacked against you. So imagine being a woman minority in a poor neighborhood, like, Oh, oh my gosh, like, uh, yeah. that is, I can't even imagine See, like I'm a guy, right? So yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, how do people like that not rule the world? Because they're clearly the strongest of all of us to have to right. go through all of that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's like, yeah, like through so much adversity and and they just you have to be so naturally talented and driven. Yeah. Because at every corner, there's something that's trying to bog you down. And one mistake can be like. Right. One, and then, oh, yeah, it's because they're from there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's because she's a woman. Of course, she's not supposed to succeed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, wow, let's just. But we're up against it. Right. So, again. That all the, all all these conversations that we've had is is tying it back to you know like as a parent, it's up to me too to change that. Yeah. Oh, for to sure. Like empower because like you know when I was in school when I was you know I wasn't I was in advanced classes and I didn't know how to solve the homework mm-hmm. and I remember this I I tell this story a lot to people that I had these type of conversations with. I remember this girl Alyssa. I remember Alyssa very well <laughs> because <laughs> she was I like you know partying, hanging out. She didn't care. She, you know, would blatantly say, I don't care about this class. I'm not going to do this. Like, and this was a physics class. Mm. I'm not going to do physics. You know, I don't care. This isn't a class that I care for. And I was struggling because physics was something that I cared for. And I was struggling with the homework. I couldn't do it. I couldn't solve it. So the next day I I have my homework. It's empty. And she had every answer completely done. I'm like, whoa, how did you solve number 10? She's like, oh, my dad's a rocket scientist. He did it for me. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I want to be that rocket scientist for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. So that's what really motivated me to get yeah. through the engineering. That, that honestly, if I'm being honest, that's that moment there was what propelled me to, you know, like suck it up and right. do well in classes. Yeah. To be wow. able to give your kids yeah. something that you didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And that's why I want them to do STEM because I feel like I can help them. Right. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> so give me the opportunity <laughs> to make this a great script <laughs> so that it will one day be a movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. For me. Yes, yes, yes. And another thing is that not only is it like important, of course, for parents to have those conversations, but just like having these conversations with everyone in general opens people's minds, helps them understand what different minorities or women go through. And so it's very fun and sad, but fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Well, I think it's interesting interesting that you say that too, because like talking about this, even if you feel like you don't necessarily relate or have any stories of something similar, like literally just having it in your mind of listening to this. Like when we, when we had the episode where you said, don't apologize every single time I write an email. And especially Alex, after you send me that thing every mm-hmm. single time I'm like typing it and then I erase, I'm like, okay. Cause it's like in yeah. the back of my mind because yeah. you've talked about it, you know, that's why like these conversations are so important. Agreed. So that they're filler. out there. Yeah. 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 It's filler that I think, you know, women think they have to put so that whatever they say next exactly. is taken, you know, right. Yeah, exactly. All the time. And it's unnecessary. Yeah. It's unnecessary. And it's a hard habit to break. Like I'll think about yeah. it and then I'll still write it because yeah. I don't want to be that person that comes across mm-hmm. too direct or whatever. Yeah. You say little sorry move, so much, Mick. I know, dude. I know you literally right? told me that the other day. <laughs> you know, I, I know why. Because no girl wants to be called a bitch. Right. You know what, though? If people are still going to put labels on things, call me a bitch. I really don't care. I'm not going to apologize <laughs> because I am asking you a question. All like, right, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally me, though. Every time I see Kim, I'm like, yo, what up, bitch? <laughs> it's a compliment, see, dude. It's again, a compliment. Again, that's another thing. It's like the double standard, right? Yeah. Like if, if girls call each other that, oh, it's okay. Right. But so if a guy calls a girl that. But, you know, it, it should... If you're being called that, I think you should know that you're doing something right because you're you're challenging their comfort level. It's true. That's oh, for true. sure. So that's yeah. why I'm saying it's hard. It's it's really hard. You know, like I I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I'm when I'm uh, when I feel challenged by mm-hmm. by a woman because I feel like oh man, like that's that's a that's a threat to yeah. my mo- upward mobility or but I respect it. Okay. I don't lash out and I don't act differently. I think like wow, okay, I respect her hustle. Yeah. That's, you know, she's, she's got it going. So, okay, I got I got to step up my game. Well, you're one in a million. Yeah. Please teach these men, make <laughs> right. your own podcast um, and do yeah. how to steps to develop that mindset. <laughs> I'm not going to be very popular. <laughs> no, it's fine. We'll promote you on our super popular global yeah. podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Anywho. Thank you so much, Alex. It was really, really refreshing. As Kim said, to have um, a different perspective on the podcast. I know we're only on episode seven. Um, But we have a lot of future um, guests on the podcast that are females, which, Mm -hmm. again, we're super excited for. But it's really, really interesting to have a male perspective on the podcast. And we hope to have more. So thank you for being the first. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, I I have, you know, huge ambitions for this podcast. (laughs) I want you guys to be huge stars. You guys deserve it. You guys have great personalities. You're bringing great conversations to the forefront. And I wish nothing but success for you too. Thank you so much. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Oh man, just follow your dreams. I think at the end of the day, you don't want to, you know, be in your deathbed with any regrets. Right. Sorry, your last episode was regrets, (laughs) but I think you know you guys are speaking out against that too. 
you know, anything that you want to do, yeah, pursue yes. it. If you want to study abroad, pursue it. If you want to make out with that Scottish guy, do it. <laughs> um, he was Polish, excuse me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was in Scotland. <laughs> it was in Scotland. <laughs> Love that he knows all these details. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, well, that was Alex, everyone. And he gave a wonderful parting cool. quote. I don't cool. know what I'm saying. <laughs> which I am going to embroider and put at the top of my bed because Thank it's you. true. Follow your dreams. Wow. We actually said it at the same time. Let's see if we can see and filter it at the same time. Okay, everyone. My name's Kimberly. I'm Michaela. I'm Alex. And, and this, this is Unfiltered. Unfiltered. God, that was horrible. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Bye, everyone. We love you. Love you. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>